Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Sorry for the delay. We had some technical difficulties, but welcome to the show. This is the Making More Money for You show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Last week, we had a great, uh, a short short episode last week with uh, Howard Wolpoff. We did some talking about uh, marketing and finding the right people you want to market to. Uh, any questions about that? Go check it out. It's on all streaming platforms. Uh, but today's episode is going to be kind, It's going to be fun. I, I have an excellent uh, guest that's going to tell us how he transformed all over Hollywood and uh, is actually teaching at the moment, I believe. And we're going to talk about how some of his experiences has helped himself and people around him make some money. To do that, I have a very special guest, Victor Vernado. Victor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, thank you for reaching out to actually um, to be part of the show, which is which is amazing. And on top of that, can you give us a little bit how you actually got started in? where you're at in, in the uh, in the lovely world of Hollywood? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think that I got started, I got started basically by uh, auditioning, auditioning for roles through an agent. Really, I was just pushing. And then as I got opportunities, I would always use those connections to build more opportunities. And eventually it just became kind of like a web of, uh, I, I had a network of people, and so I would get more and more work and and do more and more things that way. And I just really, I just started by moving to New York and saying I came here to make it 25 years ago. <laughs> That's uh, I didn't realize I didn't realize you were in uh, New York. I thought you were over in California. Oh uh, no, I'm in the I'm in New York. I go back and forth between New York and California, but I live in New York. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's really cool. So one of your major things that you've done throughout the years is made sure you had networking and associated with people that you wanted to aspire to be. Um, always. Well, I, I didn't do that all the time. Really. I gotta be honest up until six years ago, I was, I was very much a guy who is, uh, you know, smart and or talented and I, but I didn't know anything about finance or business and I would just make money and blow money like <laughs> over <laughs> and over again, just make money, blow it all, make money, blow it all, et cetera, et cetera. And then six years ago, I decided that even though that I was working in entertainment, I was actually, uh, at the time I was a producer on a show called Leave It to Stevie, which is in the love and hip hop franchise, uh, world. And then, uh, I, I was doing that show and then I decided, well, I, yes, I'm in entertainment, but I'm still doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, which is just working for somebody else. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to build a business around myself. And that's what I started doing next. Oh, okay. And along your way, you've also done some comedy. I've actually been watching some of your comedy stand up from like uh, way back when, back in the early 2000s, early, early 90s, if you will. And you were, you're extremely funny. And I, I, I wish. Thanks. <laughs> It's a, I guess that's the point when you're doing stand-up, right? <laughs> well, you got to be a – well, what was it? Uh, Charlie Chaplin said you had to be a genius to actually make someone laugh, but anybody can make any make someone cry. Um, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I don't think that's fully 
accurate. I've I've seen a lot of uh, really dumb people make me laugh. <laughs> this is true. Uh, over the years, yes, there has been, uh, and that hasn't changed. And but to actually know no humor or whatnot, it, it, it feels like you actually have to know know your timing and know what you're actually doing with your craft. Well, I think what Charlie Chaplin was talking about, and I believe in this too, is that you do, it does help to be smart if you want to make people laugh on purpose. Okay. So like, if you want to, if you plan to make people laugh, then you got to know what you're doing. If you, but you know, anybody can slip on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> so we talked, you did talk about the the cycle you were in. You're making money, blowing money, making money. How did you start? How did you break that cycle? Uh, it, it was really hard. It was, it was incredibly hard because the, my biggest problem is growing up. And I, I think, and knowing what I know now, I know this is a problem for a lot of people is a lot of people don't, are not trained in business. And it is insane to me that we're in a world where like, I think that, I think that being trained in business and finance, uh, in just general, or just how finances work is something that should be right alongside your social studies and math class growing up in school. I think that people should be taught when they're in elementary school how to run a lemonade stand because now I know that that really separates people because making money is a skill. Uh, I've, that's that's the biggest thing that I've learned. It's like if you if you learn how to make money, then you can do it over and over again because it is a skill. And so people don't, People aren't taught that enough. And so when I was, and that was a thing I had to change about myself, which is I didn't know, I didn't understand um, how to really build a business. And the, 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 the basics of it are really simple though. And so I, but I just didn't know. And so I had to change that about myself. And so it took a, it took a long time. It took a lot of uh, trial and error because I wasn't, I didn't have any, you know, traditional schooling that I was going to. I didn't want to follow any particular guru because uh, often I didn't, I didn't believe in a lot of the things that some of the gurus believed in. I believed in the ability to make money and I believed in the ability to turn anything into a business, but I just don't, I, I don't believe in some of the mentality behind like hustle, hustle culture. Okay. Well, you did make a, a very valid point there that even we should be taught this at a very early age. In some aspects, certain people are when they join the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. They're selling uh -huh. stuff. They're starting to promote sales and how to gain stuff. And uh, the reward system, if you will, of actually selling something, you get something in return. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. But I think that the... One of the things that I think is most important for me was um, understanding what gross margins were as, I mean, I'm, I'm an artist. Like I like to, I, I do arty farty things, but understanding how uh, gross margin works was something that was very, very simple. Like how much money does it take you to make how much more money? So if it takes you every, for every $2 you spend, you make $10, then that that's simple <laughs> that everybody can understand. If you're an artist, if you're an artist and you make up a, 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 a magnificent painting in a month and your living expenses are, say, $1,500 a week or whatever, so it takes you $6,000 to make that painting. But if that painting can sell for uh, $30,000, then uh, your gross margins are actually pretty good.
not great, but they're pretty good. Uh, you're right, and there's always room for improvement because we got uh, as the market changes, you have to change with the market to either increase your margins or diversify to make something else that would actually get you better margins. Exactly. Uh, and and so I guess like once I learned, once I learned that you can apply very simple business practices to art, then I found out that, oh, I can take my art and I can just turn them into businesses and make money. And it was true. Now, do you self-promote your art or do you go through uh, an art dealership or do you do both? Hold on, there's a siren going by me. It's New York City, everybody. Hey, how's it going? All right, well, that's anyway. <laughs> the, well, that's the that's the great pleasure of using live radio. I'm <laughs> um, sorry. What was your question again? Oh, uh, when you're doing your art, when you're selling art and figuring out what you're going to do with it, do you go through like a brokerage or do you do it on your own to sell, um, or do you do both? Both. I've done a lot of it on my own, but now I'm trying to. I'm trying to go through uh I'm trying to go through outsourcing my sales okay. with everything. Uh because honestly, as an art what I really want to do is I just want to create products. I just want to create, make art. My product is art, so I just want to keep making that. And then uh, when I started, of course, like I had to take on a lot of responsibility. You know, I had to learn how to do finance i had to do marketing and have to do xyz but as my company gets bigger i can hire people to do those things and concentrate on the thing that i am best at and hire other people who are good at all the other things that i dislike (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's the best that is that also saves a lot of time and money in the long run is when you hire someone because that's what they're trained to do like your Mm -hmm. marketing and uh selling books for myself to sell books, it's like, okay, I know my market. I know where I'm going after, but I still have, I'm still spending the time to do it because I'm actually taking the time to learn what my customers want in return because I'm writing more books for them. So I'm yeah. actually do I'm doing it a little bit different than, um, than the traditional way of just handing it off to somebody. Yeah. You're doing market research as well as uh, what you're doing. There's another siren. I hope there, my, my neighborhood, something must be going on. <laughs> Um, I hope they don't pull up to my door. That would be the worst, you know, just, uh, I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I robbed a few banks back a while back, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to catch me. Well, well, huh? there's the chance there is, but eh, there's also a chance that they'll just go right by to, the, to your neighbor and ask them instead. So when you write your books, you write your books and then you market them to your, your fans. And then your, it, what you're doing is also market research at the same time when you're talking to them. Yes, but before I actually publish them out to the public, I have my own set of readers that I have a group of people that signed up for me. And what I do is I give them first crack at it because I. it also gets me to make sure I got all the content right. And I also have the experts. Mm-hmm. I have very expert traders, uh, my mentors as well, uh, to take part of this. And they love doing it because they actually are enjoying, like you, like you said before as we were talking, uh, in between between uh, when we first started till now is the information that I'm getting out to the people is it's for everybody. It's not just for the certain people, like the higher class people. It's not for college educated people. It's anybody that wants to better their lives. And mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I am focusing on that language because 
like you know doing business there's so much garbage out there there's so much jargon there's so many acronyms and uh abbreviations it, it's a jungle uh yeah it is i um i mean it it it's dense is what it is it's like there's so there's it, it's incredibly dense the uh terminology that goes along just with this whole world yeah because hmm. i Bless you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to sneeze into the, the microphone uh, because I also do the same for a couple other authors and publishers. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. I read and uh, evaluate their work as well because we, uh, I work together with them. They go in a different, a couple different niches instead of investing, but I, uh, they asked you... me to... What's go that? ahead. No, go you first. You finish first. Oh, okay. No, I... I uh, I have a very analytical mind, so I can actually go through the process of what they're trying to say. And if they're missing anything, I just write the, give, give them the notes and say, hey, write this better. Uh, this needs to be dumbed down a little bit more, add a little bit more technology to this or technique to this. And I give it back to them and they rewrite it before they publish. That's uh, that's cool. You, I mean, you would actually like one of the... So one of the things I do is also is I am into technology as well. And so... My company, which used to be a media company, is now a tech and media company because I create software as well. Um, yeah. And I have I have a patent, which I sold recently, and I have a, a, I'm a pursuing a patent on new technology um, for this thing I call, have called the Magic Bookifier. And he, this is what it does. So let me, let me tell you how it came to exist. It's Bookifier, B-O-O-K-I-F-I-E-R, Bookifier. So it came to exist because, so I have a podcast where I teach people stuff and then on that podcast, I was like, well, if an episode is really popular of this teaching podcast, then I, I know the material is vetted because it was already popular. And then I was like, I should turn those episodes into eBooks because now I know the, you know, people like the, whatever material that particular episode is about, because there's another line of revenue. So when I sat down and I started to go through the podcast and go through the transcript and turn it into an eBook, I was like, this is boring. So I was like, I bet I can teach AI to do this. So then I did teach AI to go through a transcript and then turn it into an ebook. And, and basically with like one click, I can take a transcript of a podcast and turn it into an ebook. And so now, so then I was like, this probably could make a good app. And so now I turned it into an app and we're about to launch it. Wow. That's, a, that's a very, uh, I'm dumbfounded right now because I wouldn't even thought of do, <laughs> to do that with AI. And that's, uh, that's really breaking edge. You're going to change it's, a lot of things there. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Like people are, are um, responding really well to it. Companies, more than one company has been lining up trying to figure out how they want to work with me. Investors have been talking to me about it. Like it's, it it is a shot in the dark. And actually the funny thing is, so I was actually doing it because I'm in a fundraising round with my company right now and with my main company, uh, which is Supreme Robot. And Supreme Robot makes all these other things. And then those those projects, they become MVP. Once they get to the MVP stage, then they'll usually get outside funding and they become their own like LLC, which is a subsidiary that my main company owns a part of. Okay. Um, and then, so I'm in a fundraising round for my main company. And then I have... I already have like, I mean, I can actually tell you the numbers. There's nothing. I'm not hiding anything. So, uh, so my fundraising round, we're, we're, I was raising 300,000 against a $1.2 million valuation for my main company. 
And then I have I have an investor who's willing to come in for the first half of that 300,000, but he wants to come in alongside someone else, okay, another investor. And then so while I was looking for that other investor, I was doing I was spinning up things in my anything in my company that I can I can bring to life any product I can bring to an MVP that would cost me nothing to bring it to life, but would make my company more valuable because of their potential ROIs, I would do that because then my company continues to gain value while I'm fundraising. And then so that's why I was like, oh, I should start up that ebook project based on the popular episodes of this podcast, because like, that's something that would just, you know, I could just, I could just write the ebook based on this podcast episode and that would bring more value to my company. And then that became the magic book of fire. And now it looks like I'm not sure certain yet, but if the magic book of fires launch goes really well, it'll make enough money. So I do not need money from any investors, which would be amazing. Yes. Yes. Cause we know with investors, they expect timeframes and timestamps and uh, meetings and all that other jazz. I mean, I don't mind all that, <laughs> but you know, the, I don't mind all that, but the idea is like, if you can protect equity in your main company, protect the equity in your main company. And so I'm trying to, we'll sort of see. I mean, the magic book of fire, since it's a separate company, I can, so I can get investment in that to make that blow up as much as I need to blow up. And then the money that my company makes from its equity in the magic book of fire could be enough to cover all my investments, which is great. I hope we'll see. We shall see. Oh yes. Time, time will tell, especially with the, 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 the development of AI. AI is just blowing up things everywhere. And oh yeah, it's 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 time it's time to get on board, everybody. <laughs> it's time. Let's go. I've been I've been tinkering with it. Uh not doing full books with it, but I'm doing uh, some like blurbs and some uh, just tinkering to see what it can actually do. And because I'm a network engineer by trade, so I, I'm always in the techie side of things as well. So uh, I'm always learning how it works and how fast it needs and what what resources it needs to do this and how the you know the back end how it actually spits it out it's 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 scary it's scary fast yeah um my the the so my um cto for magic book of fire he really nails um he really nails like the back end section and we have a lot of uh we have a lot of fun figuring it out because he's i mean he's great at the back end but I'm really good at uh, uh, prompt engineering, like um, good enough at least so that people ask me to uh, work on their projects as like uh, as a prompt engineer. Like I've I've seen a lot of what people are doing with prompt engineering with AI, and it I feel like it's it is like the breadth of what people are doing is not what the AI is capable of. AI is capable capable of a lot more than people think and if you and if you program it the right way for instance you can just get it to do stuff that people's jaws drop at and so and the magic book fire is one of those things where it's like yeah people just like wow like they, they didn't know they could be you know you could choose to do that they understand once it's done but at the time they're just like they didn't know that ai could be used that way oh absolutely because yeah. we only know with what actually people are telling us right now, because not a lot of people are going out and looking for it or they don't know where to look for it. So yeah, we're exactly. only going, we're only going by what Elon says, what you're saying right now with, uh, what Bill Gates and, you know, the whole Microsoft crew out there are telling us, it's like, Oh, well you can do this, this, and this, but 
they're leaving out like 80, like a good 95% of the chunk that's still open. It's like the wild, wild west. Yeah, it is. It it is. There's like, there are, there are ways uh, with AI to do so many things, but there's no centralized area for information right now. It reminds me of when I was a kid, when I was just discovering like computers and basic, uh, the basic programming language, because it was hard to find information because at the time there was not really, the internet wasn't there. There were bulletin board systems, (laughs) but (laughs) I remember those days. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, and so like finding information, you were just, you were just scrounging for information. You'd have to go to the library, pick up a thick book and like look through it as much as you can by yourself. And that's the way it feels a lot with AI because people who are doing things that are really groundbreaking with AI are not really posting about it on the internet as much. Mm-hmm. There's there's a few, but just like not a lot of people who are doing something that is really substantial. Now, are you starting to use AI in your art as well? Or are you Absolutely. Still okay. Yeah, I, I I use AI. I use AI uh, in my in my art. Uh, I think that I think that people should start adopting it as a tool if they can, because it is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's fantastic, and I think that if you're a creative person, it's very useful. I know some people are afraid. They're like, "AI is going to take my job," but if it it can. I, I think the saying that everybody says, which is, no, AI is not going to take your job. Someone using AI is going to take your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're well, we're seeing AI in all aspects in the in in like we're saying in the even in the food industry. Yeah, um, miso robotics. They're using AI to flip with Flippy. I oh, don't yeah. know if you've seen that. Uh, Absolutely, I, I love that. That was amazing. I'm like, well, these people that don't want to start working and do want to start getting the fundamentals uh, of, of, of uh, making money and the responsibility that's needed to it. You're right. They're going to be replaced by, by robots. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sad, but true. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's like, uh, it's just the way of the times. Everybody's, well, we are all stuck on our phones. So in a, in a sense, we are part of AI. Yeah, because our phones are constantly uh, determining what we see next now. So preemptive, whatnot. But Victor, we're already halfway through the show. We only got like a like a scrape of what I want to get into with you. Yeah, we're <laughs> so, basically cyborgs. So <laughs> <laughs> we're only as good as our technology. So we are cyborgs. We're, we are actually <laughs> getting close to that. So we have to take a quick break. We'll do so. We're going to get back and we'll do a little bit more um, deep dive into you and how you're using all this stuff to, uh, to make money and actually make the better your life better. So awesome. Everybody let's go for it. (laughs) Everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Uh, If you have any questions for Victor, please call in Uh, phone number. will be after the commercial. We'll break. We'll talk to you soon. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. The first half of the show went by extremely fast. It was like a lightning round. Uh, (laughs) It seriously was. We were talking about AI and how it's actually uh, being developed and engineered. Uh, And my guest, Victor, is actually using it in his his work to make some really cool things coming up up and about. Uh, That brings me back to my guest. My guest is Victor Vernado. Uh, He is a jack of all trades. He's in... He was in the entertainment world. He has his own special projects. He's done cartooning, multimedia painting, all this other fun stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> in the second half. Victor, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I just want to be clear. I'm I'm still actually in the entertainment world. I still do stand up. I still I actually just have a I have a special that just came out like a couple of months ago called Bring Back Laughs. Like yeah, so I'm I'm still doing it. <laughs> but wow. I'm also now an entrepreneur. Okay, that's that's even better. And that's what this show is actually about, making more money for you, the listener. Uh, thinking outside the box, we're going way outside here. And one thing was being a comedian that you have, that you were. Um, I actually had to do some research on your filmography here because I couldn't remember seeing you in any of the films that were listed in your media kit. So I actually <laughs> went back and re- looked at some of them. I actually, oh, no joke, I actually had to call one of my friends to get a copy of Pluto Nash on VHS because I honestly <laughs> did not remember seeing you in that movie. <laughs> oh, I'm all over that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I see it, it's like, oh, I'm like, you see the line streaking across the thing. I'm like, oh, oh boy, okay, somebody fast forward through this, and and then <laughs> I did see you there. It's like, oh, so that's who, <laughs> that's who my guest is. And I had to do that with a bunch of your other stuff that you were that you were showing in. Oh, yeah, I was. I've been in a lot of terrible movies. I love it. <laughs> 
my friend said the same thing. He's like, don't you like yourself today that you're watching this? I'm like, wait, wait a second. I'm like, no, 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 I'm doing research. And I, at the time, the movie was good. I'm not going to lie. Pluto Nash was good. And End of Days was actually good. It was, it sort of kind of ripped off Cobra with Stallone and everything else, but you know, <laughs> it was good for, it was good for the era. Um, but what, this brings me up to another one of your side projects, the realm of LARP. So oh, how yeah. did you, how did you get into LARP and what is LARP for the people out there? That's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, LARPing is for people who don't know it is live action role playing. That's what it stands for LARP. And it is basically people who play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, that's, let's just say people who play Dungeons and Dragons, but they act it out uh, fully and they wear armor and they have swords and they just act out the roles fully in live action. And so, and so, but that's just a basic description because it doesn't have to be like Dungeons and Dragons style or medieval style. It could be anything. It could be vampires. It could be zombies. It could be pirates, whatever. Life me, all kinds of things. And the reason I got into it, because one, I love Dungeons and Dragons in the first place. Uh, number okay. two. Um, I had seen uh, when I when I found out what LARPing was, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Why isn't this a TV show? And then I found that there were some documentaries about LARPing, but they were all they were all like not celebrating what LARPing is. They were more like kind of like looking down on people who LARP. And I, I wanted to make something that celebrated it. And then at the time and I, when I initially made this, it was like seven or eight years ago. OK, Realm of LARP. And so when I made that. No, it was more than seven or eight years ago. I'm sorry. It was it was it had to be like nine, ten years ago. But when I made it, um people were people it was like way ahead of its time. People had no idea. I mean, people don't know what LARPing is enough now. Like not everybody does. And then if you can imagine a decade ago <laughs> when I'm trying to like pitch it as a TV show, they're like, What? You're pitching what? And so, but I actually ended up having to self-fund it. I did get my money back when it was licensed to Nerdist and uh, Legendary Pictures, but then, but then, well, I, I wasn't the only one who funded. I funded it, and a couple of friends uh, funded it as well. And then, but now the license has returned to me. And, but and now I have all of this footage of the first season of LARP that I did, Realm of LARP. Uh, but I'm using that to pitch um, a new. Uh, TV show or film based on the same premise. So basically it's going to continue to make money and pay for itself, which is awesome, even though, but, and, but it's also one of those things where it's like, it's kind of a ridiculously fun project. And so it's one of those things where it's like, this is awesome, but it can also be a business, which is amazing. Okay. Well, I was just, actually, it just came to me as we we're talking about this. Wouldn't like war reenactments be the same as LARPing? Uh, they're close. Yeah. Close. I mean, the, the, I mean, war reenactments are kind of right. like LARPing. There's so many other things that are kind of like LARPing. Uh, uh, a, a, a murder, a murder mystery dinner is kind of like a LARP. Okay. You know, they're all they're It's all like pretending, uh, to even, even, even like, uh, mock debate, mock trials. That's like a LARP. That's it's the same. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, while you're doing that behind the scenes, you're also a producer for multiple shows. How is it, how is being behind the, behind the scenes to you compared to being on screen? Like, do you find that you, you have a better time being behind the screens, producing, producing shows? Um, I like them. I like them both. Well, here's the thing. If you're behind the scenes, you have more control <laughs> over what it is. <laughs> and if you're in front of the camera, you, you, you don't have any control. For instance, uh, the Adventures of Pluto Nash. 
<laughs> so to speak. So, you know, that is uh, a movie that a lot of people think is absolutely terrible. And I would have to say that I had a blast making it, but I also had no control over the quality. <laughs> I basically could do what I did, and then everything else was out of my hands. And when you when you are behind the scenes, you have more control. Like, I got to make Realm of LARP exactly what I wanted it to be. And so that's what I like about being behind the scenes. Although I like them both, but you do have more control over what the final product is like. Okay. Um, and that, <clears throat> when you did Realm of LARP, you also did Love and Hip Hop franchise, which is... You know, on this old thing that is considered really antique is video, music, television on video, like VH1 and MTV. Mm -hmm. So do you see, do you still continue with that franchise? Are you still? No, no. That was six years ago was the last time I worked on any. Six years ago, I decided to change the way I did things and I don't really work for other people anymore. The only things I work on are things that I have equity in. Okay. So you have um, a control stay of what you want, how you think, how things are going, and um, where do you see them going in the future? I think that in the next eight, I think that I'm at an inflection point in my business right now. And I really do think that in the next like eight to 12 months, um, I'm, I would, I'm going to move into uh, being, uh, I would say, uh solvents uh but uh in a in a very positive way i'm I'm not saying i'm I'm gonna be wealthy but i'm just saying that like okay. it, it'll be a good it'll be good times in about eight to twelve months <laughs> <laughs> well that brings up a, a good point um uh, actually another a, a contributing factor to this how did the last couple years change everything for you you know everything pretty much went to a halt with our lockdown and whatnot for 20 for COVID. Now, were you able to still uh, work on your projects, even create new projects during that time frame, Or were you? I, I was, I was, I mean, COVID was excruciating. It was so, so basically six years ago when I decided I was going to do my own thing. And then I had started with, I had started really pushing my own productions and my own company. And then I got a big, break when i i got a big break when i um did a uh game show for facebook live uh, i'm sorry facebook watch and penguin random house called the uh, great fantasy debate and i was like you know the executive producer and i also directed it and then so like it was just a really it was a blast it was a really fun game show and then just as it launched and i was about to be like hey look at this great great game show i made let's get more work and ride that wave the pandemic hit so it really stopped my company in its tracks and it was hard like i was like i think i think my career is over i'm gonna have to move out of new york like i was there's it was it was very very difficult but then at one point i really started sitting down and i was just like okay I'm going to figure out how to make this work. And I just put one foot in front of the other and put my head down and just worked as hard as I possibly could. And it took a long time to turn things around, but, uh, you know, luckily finally I did. Okay. Now I'm, I'm very happy that you did. And, you know, we're here right now discussing all this, uh, the current status of everything, 
do you see that hindering your your projects? And if it is, how are you taking precautions so it doesn't stop like it did in, during the pandemic? Oh, uh, well, I every product that I have right now mm-hmm. is um, I, I most most of them are recession proof. They're recession proof and okay. they are pandemic proof. Okay, because that's I mean because you had to start thinking that way, right? And so if you weren't thinking that way, then you you may have a problem because at any moment somebody could be like, oh, it's COVID fifty five. Here it comes. You know, <laughs> like you, you never know what's going to happen. So I had to, you know, I had to figure it out what is recession proof, what is uh, what is pandemic proof. And so I think I figured it out. <laughs> we'll we'll see in the next eight to twelve months. Yeah, we're gonna see. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see because uh, there's so many more changes that are coming, and it doesn't it doesn't look like we've hit where things are starting to turn back yet. And from from seeing that, I, I still see the downside of it. And I'm sure you're still adjusting for that. Uh, yeah, I am. But I think that, like I said, I'm at an inflection point. So this is actually something really interesting. So so one of the things I did, so six years ago, this is actually going to be, I don't want to make everybody sad, but I have crippling uh, social anxiety. And so six years ago, when I decided I wanted to go off on my own, I had to force myself to do some things that normally I wouldn't do. Because sometimes I have a lot of imposter syndrome. Like for instance, I never, um, I never finished college. And so, uh, often, uh, when it comes to talking about that, I would think that I wasn't, you know, intelligent enough, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I had to force myself to work past my anxiety. And so what I did was I started trying to do things that I always thought that I was good enough to do or thought that I could do. And then I would just force myself to do them. For instance, like I, for a long time, I was like, oh, I could be a I could be a New Yorker cartoonist. I could, and I never did anything about it. And then six years ago, I just went out and I tried to be a New Yorker cartoonist. And it took me uh, submitting hundreds of cartoons, but now I have sold multiple, multiple cartoons to the New Yorker, and I can call myself a New Yorker cartoonist. Not only that, in 2022, um, my cartoon was one of the most shared cartoons by the New Yorker uh, over the internet, like in all of 2022. So like, I'm not only a a New York cartoonist, but I'm a good one, you know, I'm not, I don't suck. And so that, that was the way I started approaching everything. And so since then I, you know, really turned around like what my company was. I, I, um, I, I, I created software that had a patent, sold the patent, uh, to a, a multi-billion dollar company. Um, I, you know, have uh, published a book, just like I've been been just doing all those things that I was afraid of and uh, find, finding out that I can rise to the occasion. That's amazing. When you're doing, when you were doing your, I was actually going to bring your book up next, uh, being an author and whatnot. Have you seen people's lives change from your book? Um, I, I've seen a lot of people, uh, reading and smiling i've seen people reading it when they don't know i'm around like they don't know that i'm the author and it's really really uh pleasant to see someone laugh at uh something that you wrote well which is supposed to be funny in this case (laughs) (laughs) it was like a dramatic piece i'm sure i'd be very sad um um and that's kind of amazing and 
I I I like I I like the idea of a book being a very intimate conversation with people. It's like a one-on-one conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And if you if you write whatever you're doing or your art our art is a one-on-one conversation with people often. And so I like that aspect of it. I don't think that I haven't heard people talk about it that way, but that's the way I think of art all the time. Like it's a one-on-one conversation that you're having with people. It's a scalable one-on-one conversation. Okay. That, yes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I honestly, what you just said about books, I I get the same, I feel the same way, especially when I read the reviews. (laughs) I I read my, I read the reviews. So I honestly, it's not for um, to puff up my ego or anything. It's more or less, I want to know if I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that they understand the content of the books and also the, um, they can apply it to what they, they can apply what they just read. Right. I, I constantly look for it. It's like, well, is there's nothing bad here. There's nothing bad here. There's nothing. Even th- the two, three stars. I'm like, why did you give me two and three? But the the review was good. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of messed up about, you know, that's kind of still uh, plays with your mind with, with whatnot. Now, do you see yourself continuing writing books? Absolutely. Okay. I'm writing books and I'm writing different kinds of books. Like I think the book you're talking about is, of course, the anti-racism activity yes. book, which is a which is a hybrid of it, it. It's a it's kind of like a parody of a the Highlights magazine. Do you remember those? <laughs> I it's used to par- love that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a parody of the Highlights magazine that kind of like uh, satirizes racism in America. But then I have actually a book that I just finished uh, that I'm uh, formatting right now, uh, which is the book that's based on the popular episode of my podcast, which is How to Write Stand Up Comedy. And so that one's going to be out, I think, in less than a month. That's that's very impressive. With everything going on, it's it's hard to juggle everything. Have you? How do you manage your time when you're doing all these projects? I um, I have a calendar which is like you know lords over me, <laughs> and <laughs> and I have a never ending to do list, and then I have I have a to do list, and then. Anytime that I need to get something done, it goes on that to-do list. And then I sort the list every day. And everything, whatever's lowest on the list is the thing that I have to do next. And whatever's highest on the list are things that, you know, I'm working my way up to. The ever-revolving notepad or sticky notes, if you will. Exactly. And then also I try to delegate things on the list as much as I can too. If possible. If possible. <laughs> Sometimes it's just things that only I can do, you know? So like, right. like if I looked at, if I looked at my list right now, let's see what is at the bottom of my list. Uh, oh, uh, get back to the company, get back to the company that wants to partner with me and, and give me a free website for one of my products. So like, so one of my products is doing well, and there's this company that wants to, uh, they're just trying to promote themselves. And so they're giving free websites to certain they're, they're making free websites to certain products. If like you have a certain amount of, you know, traffic or whatever, or you're a certain level of influencer, they'll give you a free website. And so getting back to them is actually something I can delegate to my um, assistant producer. And so, but the next thing above that is something that only I can do, which is like get back to uh, this guy, Ron, who I'm working with on a new app. Yeah. And then one to one above that is finish the stand-up book. <laughs> <laughs> Now, 
in all your time in entertainment, what has been your most favorite thing to do? Um, I really in okay. I I did this. I do this thing. It's self funded. It is really dumb, but I love it, and it's a gag that I do normally. And that is, uh, I do a show called NYC Talent Show. And how NYC Talent Show works is I host it and anybody who wants to be on the show, uh, they can just sign up and then I give them $5. So like it's an open stage and anybody can walk in from the street and they can do anything and then I pay them $5. And it's stupid and it's so much fun. <laughs> oh, that's got to be that's got to be quite entertaining to see what actually comes in from one show to the next show. Cause you never know what's, what they're going to do. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. There's some videos online that are pretty ridiculous. One of the things I did with NYC talent show once was like during the pandemic, New York was giving out, um, grants to arts organizations. Uh, and then I, I submitted for one of the grants and I got one for $5,000. I got a grant for $5,000 and then uh, I threw a giant party with it. <laughs> so I, I threw a version of the show NYC talent show yeah. and I, I threw a version of the show and, and basically I, I get, it was free drinks and then I also paid people to perform and anybody could come and sign up and just go on stage. And it was just a giant party. <laughs> That's a great use for the money. That, that was phenomenal. That's great. Uh, now, now that you're do you did that are you how do you feel about instructing i know you're a, you're an adjunct professor you know teaching film and whatnot yes. uh, and acting how, how has that changed over the years for you and wh wh well, what have you seen as i become more and more successful i like uh doing instruction less and less <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being, well, here's the thing. I like, I like teaching people who really want to learn. Okay. Sadly, uh, freshmen and sophomore in college, they, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're and lucky I, they can find the store, the room. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because, uh, it's hard being motivated when people just look at you with like a dull expression and they just don't even know, like, I, like, these are like second year film students who don't know how to format a screenplay yet. Okay. So that's a problem, you know, so it's a problem. So it's just like, it, that, that is not as much fun. I do like, I, I'll tell you the, the thing I like teaching most is uh, teaching kids how to make their own video games. That's my favorite thing to teach because they absolutely want to know how to make their own video games and hang on every word. And when, and then when you're done, they, they love, you know, what they have to show for it. So like, that's my favorite thing to teach. Video. Wow. Now, what kind of video games are you teaching? Or is it basic app, app video games? Is it console video games? Or is it just the programming in general? I just teach the, usually I teach the programming for like, uh, I usually teach them simple programming, usually on this, uh, program called construct three, which is a no code system. I mean, you can use code, but it's mostly no code. And in fact, most of the games on, actually all the games on my uh, gaming site, I have a tournament gaming site um, called High Score Wins Money. And all of the games on that site are made with Construct 3. 
you weren't kidding when you said you do a lot of different things, honestly. And well, the uh, the secret to doing a lot of different things is to build things that can function without you. That's the secret. So, like, for instance, I have, you know, I have high score wins money. I had I had to conceive of it. I had to create it. But then once it's set up, then I have very little day to day to do with it because, okay. you know, we have a a head program, a lead programmer, and the games do in the games once the game is made you know you don't really have to do a lot to them and so so my day-to-day with that is not a lot however uh it does it it does it's one of those things that once it's set up it can continue to make like revenue as long as the website still stays functioning yes as long as the website still stays functioning (laughs) and the internet well the internet still works uh which is a great thing so with all of your endeavors, you found ways to make multiple income streams come in mm-hmm. and without you being able to be a hundred percent in each one of them. You tried to Yeah, I don't have to be I don't have to be there full time for any of the any of the projects. That's that's what that's not really that well, the term passive income, that's not really passive, but it's more streamlined income. Yeah, I mean it's it's close way. to passive income. Some of it seems like passive income, okay. but it's it is it is uh it is just like I have to do a lot of the work at the top, but then right. once it's just it's like writing a book. Like mm-hmm. you write a book, you market your book, but at some point you'll probably start making passive income from that book. But the beginning is hard, you know, yes. it's a lot of work at the beginning, but your book is a small business. And 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 so that's the the same thing is true for anything that i'm working on like i i let me let me uh i'm just going to bring up i have a chart that i was making recently where i was just going through all of my projects and marking down which one is monetized which one is profitable which one has you know outside funding blah 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 and so so right now i have 14 projects that are like high priority with my company of those 14 projects seven are monetized and uh so basically basically these are projects that i built and then at some point they got to the point where they're making money, but then I don't have to spend every waking hour with them anymore. And so I have, I have, I have, I have seven income streams that are making money for me right now. Awesome. That's the way it's supposed to be <laughs> more income. And then, you know, less, less output. I have one last question before we wrap up for today, Victor. Okay. If right now, if you had the chance to go back in time to tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself as you're beginning this journey? Um, I would tell myself to immediately uh, read up on the productization of yourself. So there's this. So after six years, I found out. Okay, what is the shortest route? to getting to where I am now. If I had if I had to do over, it would take me six months, you know, because you learn. And if I wanted to duplicate it, it would take me six months to get to where I am right now. So I would just, I would point myself toward, uh, there's this guy, I forget what his name was, but he, he does a website called Visualize Value. Uh, and he, what he talks about is the productization of a person. Um, and that is what I should have started with. I should have started learning that immediately, but I didn't even know it existed. Okay. Well, that's excellent news for, that's excellent advice. 
unfortunately, Victor, we're out of time. <laughs> well, we went the hour went by fast, which I I knew it was going to. Uh, one thing I do have, one thing I would like to ask you is, if Mike listeners here and your listeners want to follow up with anything else that you want that you're doing or be part of anything that you're a part of, how can they reach you? Uh, really easily, just go to supremerobot.com. Supremerobot.com. That's everything. That's everything, everything is all in one place. Wow. So everybody, if you have any questions or want to know what else Victor has been up to or going to be up to supremerobot.com. Well, that is the show for today. Thank you for being on the show, Victor. I can't believe it's already, you know, it's already that time. <laughs> I'm uh, happy to be here and it was fun. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that ends this show, but next week we're going to do a little bit more of a, an investing show, a more traditional way. And we're going to cover IULs. What are they? Why you want them? And are they for you? Uh, I'm bringing back Sean Murphy, my, the insurance agent that was on way when I first got back, started this. And we're going to talk about that and how this insurance can actually change your life and help your family until next week. Enjoy the weather out there. Get outside and try something new. Right on. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.